I'm deliberately opening it, otherwise, Kal Opini nahi hui book. So to make sure <laughs> that we read something. Kat uh, Upanishad. Before we have the question answers, we'll just read a few things. Um, as I said that, you know, scriptural study is uh, different from the, uh, let's use the word actual study. And I often give this analogy that um, it applies at various levels and uh, I am choosing between <laughs> different analogies. But one of them can be, we can take an image here itself, that there is an image of the swan. Now we can uh, read everything about the swan. We can even see a watch a film on swan. But it's very different from actually experiencing a live swan. Or we can talk about the mountains. We can say Mount Everest is so wonderful, you know, wow, what a sight, based on some pictorial images. We can even understand the meaning of the word Everest. And if I have to give a meaning, I'll say it's a sandhi between ever and rest. And means it is always at rest because it's on the high peaks. But what it means to really walk the path, to climb that, then I understand not only the charm but the danger of the Mount Everest. So any of these scriptures, they, are, they must trigger a search. That's how I look at it. Or let's put it like that, that if there is a search and the fire is lit, the Nachiketa fire, to, to you know, now we can use that word, then the scripture can be read in that light. And we'll see that, that how these images, for example, Let's take this image. We'll just see some of the images. There is an image on page 240. Oh, well, it is SABCL. So the image is of the flame that is the world's beginning. He told him. And what are the bricks to him? And how many? And the ways of their set setting. And Nachiketas too repeated it even as it was told. Then death was pleased and said to him, yet further. E, the great soul was gratified and said to him, yet a further boon today I give thee. For even by thy name shall this fire be called, this necklace also take unto thee a necklace of many figures. Now what does it really convey? What sense does it convey? Meaning is very clear. What are the bricks? Now, one way to look at it, and that's how that's the problem that took place with the Vedas and a little bit with the Upanishads, that people actually started making a brick um, Vedi and actually lighting a fire. But then it was not enough to light a fire because it says limitless flame, which is the beginning and end of things. So they started actually doing it Akhand Jyoti. Day and night it must burn. So lots of ghee is being poured into it so that it burns day and night. And then they thought that, you know, if we do this, death will be very happy and, you know, he will grant us a bone and the bone will be a necklace. Now, what is this necklace of many figures? It is nature, all the powers of nature that comes to somebody who lives in the cosmic consciousness. And it's very simple. When we are small, we are given small responsibilities, small powers. Small responsibility means look after your family. 
that's a small i mean that's a big responsibility but let's say that from the higher standpoint it's a small responsibility so you are given this much power to deal with the daily issues the daily problems but as we grow in consciousness as the knots open the consciousness grows vaster and vaster i i'm sorry i think i started little earlier or it's beginning less and endless okay so as you know the 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 flame grows wider and it begins to burn down the barriers that limit us and the consciousness grows vaster and vaster more and more powers that were hidden in nature quite naturally flow into the ken of the seeker it's not that death is doing a favor it's natural it's it's there are two sides of the same coin so we see here that death gives the necklace now when we look at it from this standpoint then we understand this is a process which means even if i understand it it doesn't make full sense unless i begin to live it which means that the aspiration must burn in the mind in the heart the vital and the physical the more it burns the more these powers will come automatically let's see what happens when it burns in the physical uh, very interesting some letters of sheer window somebody was becoming very weak and you know, losing lot of energy etc etc and shubhendu tells him tell him to conserve his energies and his health will be restored very simple how do you conserve this energy all this energy which is gravitating down and out these are the two basic movements maybe in gossip maybe in all kinds of activities when they are conserved here we have another word like he who is restrained in speech and the speech is offered to the mind then restrain the mind and give it to the greater self now when that happens spontaneously there is the fire is lit in the physical after all that's the way to light the fire how is the fire lit in the vital when the vital instead of a downward and outward movement begins to turn within and upward the same energy the same power the same emotions the same passions and similarly with the mind so we have these two simple you know statements made here in the katopanishad but there is a every possibility that they can be mistaken and even when we understand the meaning that's how ritualism takes its you know uh, then we have uh, very interesting numbers three fires see when they, it's a question of cosmic consciousness the three fires later on there is this uh, mention of the five fires of nachiketa we'll come to that but look here there is another something very interesting when nachiketa asked for a certain boon that tell me about that final the third boon yama says no dissuades him so why does he dissuade him what's wrong he's asking for something very beautiful why should he say no basic question no you are asking about the divine now you see buddha when buddha was asked tell me about whether god is there or not what was buddha's answer he would often say don't ask me this sometimes he would say playfully i don't know of course he knew <laughs> or sometimes he would say what do you believe i believe there is god okay follow that i don't believe there is god follow that why would he do it because prematurely if you know that your measures will fall as we will read about that transcendent all the measures of good and bad right and wrong they fall away virtue and vice it's a dangerous situation so you have to be an adhikari it cannot be given to just about anyone 
because it's about the highest to get the highest we must deserve and how to deserve he says now nachiketa you have lit the five fires it's not just in the mind body and life there is something even your even you are not satisfied with the spiritual mind you want to go further there are people who are very satisfied with some experience whether it's emptiness or some vision some and they say fine they become gurus they are not adhikari for the highest for the highest you have to subordinate even that all measures because you have entered into the boundlessness fall away even the subconscious there is a yearning means all the things that were hidden there have suddenly come out and they are seeking and yearning for the greater now that say precarious situation so yama dissuades him and who is an adhikari who in spite of all the things in his life yet seeks the divine look this is the beautiful thing he says i'll give you this i'll give you that and nachiketa says anyways i am a prince even if you give me cattle and everything you will take them away one day it shows the power of discrimination so again we have a suggestion that yoga is not for the weak something which will come later on it's not for the run away from life that you know life is too difficult well if life is too difficult yoga is far more difficult because in life you have certain measures with which we navigate but yogis are crazy people you know <laughs> don't get in near them <laughs> living fire so you know you, it's because of that initially he is granted these boons and he rejects them so who becomes an adhikari who in spite of everything at one place mother puts it very beautifully that failure is not a great test success is a greater test because somebody who is failing you know he has no choice but either to rise again or feel low but somebody who succeeds has got something and yet realizes this is nothing he is humble before the infinite he is a true seeker so we have this and then he says something very interesting even by the gods was this debated or not of old why don't why don't the gods know it they are after all greater than us yes but they lack something psychic being that is the the key and kadopnishad speaks about it the gods don't know it because they are typical beings they don't have the psychic being they are very satisfied in their absolute majesty of light of power of wideness of joy they are themselves god people are worshiping them why should they want to you know ascend higher and that's why it's very important that if one wants to continue to ascend don't be carried away and don't be surrounded by people who always flatter you this is the problem of gods poor fellows everybody is praying praying they start believing we are absolute you know mother speaks about this experience when she asked durga to surrender and durga says what surrender she says why don't you try you will get the joy of surrender and after that she says even when adverse forces come she is not able to strike them because she starts seeing them with the love of the divine consciousness something very amazing so gods don't know it because it's only someone within awakened soul within who can know it and gods don't have a soul they have everything but they miss out on one thing that's what i keep talking about india you know that god may have taken away rest and peace given corruption and nasty neighbors and everything but there is a soul <laughs> and it's enough to rebuild everything it's something so uh, important then we have uh, the second chapter
where you have the first cycle. Now again there is a very interesting choice, Sriyashya Priyashya. And the important thing is that for man, the dharma is that the path will always open through choice. And this is there in the Gita also that even not making a choice is a choice. So if you refuse to act, if you say no, no, I am not making a choice. Now that's a choice because for man the path opens with choice. For animals there is no question of choice. They are driven by instincts. But human beings make a choice even when they don't make a choice. Even when they say I am making a choice based on what you like, it's still a choice. So the path opens with choice. And the tragedy, this is something which uh, had very deeply touched me long, long back. And I had written a small article on this, Sriyasya Priyasya. That there is one thing is the good and the other thing is the pleasant. Now, my issue was that why are they two different things? <laughs> why can't they be the same? And the mystery is that you have to first acquire the good and then you will discover that everything becomes a pleasant thing if you take it from that spirit. And that's what the mother says that for discovery of the psychic being, she gives us a clue very interestingly. She says, do not do anything for the sake of pleasure, but take pleasure in whatever you do. So they are divided in an ignorant consciousness and therefore the choice is necessary. But when the consciousness is stabilized in truth, when there is the fire of aspiration, then whatever undertaking we may be doing, we will discover the joy which is hidden inside it. But that's later on. Right now, Yama is not willing to give that truth. Then another very interesting sutra. Plenty of sutras here. And for the first time, we see that there is also a uh, hint about grace in this Upanishad. Otherwise, in the Vedas and the Upanishad, they speak about the Purusha and they speak about that. But the idea of grace, it's very passingly, fleetingly. Now, that idea of grace comes mainly after Shri Krishna. Shri Krishna opened the doors of bhakti to that extent that he ends up in the Gita that Sarva Dharman Parityajya Mamekam Shannam Praja. Nobody said this to the seers of the Vedas and the Upanishads. So they were limited in that sense. Still they knew there is a grace. Even though they, you know, the embodiment of grace, the descent of grace, all that they could not surmise. But this much he says, this wisdom is not to be had by reasoning. Nisha Tarkena. It cannot be achieved by reasoning. Reason has its place. There is an office of reason. And one must use reason for that. And that is to control the senses. To control the vital energy. Where it is going. To order it. To marshal it. Reason is very important if we want to organize our life. That you know I have to reach some place at this point of time. And often I say that this is a simple marker of a disciplined consciousness. Just say that, you know, you have to reach at a place at this point of time. And if you can make it, it is a sign that there is a high degree of discipline in your consciousness. And that's why you will see in the ashram, there is so much insistence on regularity. And this, there is a small letter of Shubindo, regularity and punctuality are signs of a disciplined consciousness. Because just to do that, day after day, you need to train yourself. You are vital. Even if a phone call comes, you have to be conscious that, look, I have to reach, I have to do this. And so you say after two minutes that, look, you know, I have to go. You are making choices. So many things in one thing. So here he says that, by, but by reasoning you cannot find it. So how do we find it? 
Nachiketa only when told thee by another it brings real knowledge the wisdom which thou hast gotten now told by thee means okay then i'll discover it in a class no he again qualifies it he says when there is a listener like you and there is an exponent like me so it's not an inferior man cannot tell you of this that also it's written so we should be very careful you know sometimes people ask when they uh, come to a sacred place like this everybody has read something or the other of mother and shobindo and everybody wants to catch someone and start saying something it's it cannot be told by anyone and everyone one has to have the adhikar shobindo says this existed in the ancient times now it is lost the adhikar bhed not everybody is a recipient of the higher knowledge not everybody is a nachiketa and that's the secret behind eklavya's angutha going away you see this fellow he is a strange fellow just to take an aside we we must have been knowing the story of eklavya guru dron is so much you know he is uh, uh, defamed because he took away in guru dakshina the thumb the right hand thumb of eklavya and there are organizations which say because eklavya was a dalit now you know in, even then you have the dalit card is none of those things very simple drona knew that this man is very capable without my training him he has acquired the weapons he is a potential kim jong un tremendous power the fellow nip it in the bud adhikar bhed now what is the proof of it proof comes actually in the mahabharata look at the strange thing this man does normally would one would expect that somebody for whom this has happened he would never ever take the side of his guru or this man he actually becomes joins the army of duryodhana and fights against the pandava because he cannot do this he is a postman or something like that but imagine with a, with that kind of prowess if he joined that army what would have happened so there is something called as adhikar bhed so yama says not all can know it which means that this is not a knowledge which has to be just that's why we see images why is it been images images are used precisely to conceal the meaning if one read the whole upanishad one will not get the secret because one will say oh but somebody should tell me what are the bricks and there are plenty of people who will charge money and tell you the bricks which have to be got from this factory and this quality and they will teach you how to keep it and light the fire and become rich but nobody will tell that this fire is to be lit inside only an initiate into the mystery will know it so that is the, that's why he says not anybody can tell you and not anybody is an adhikari to listen so this is another secret which is uh, revealed then look here what is that we often divide god into two world and god so god is all pure stainless wonderful glorious everything good 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 that we can conceive and world human beings everything else is all the mixture and bad etc etc and mother cautions again anybody who had the experience of that will tell you that this it's not like that and she and mother speaks of it that it's not this is there in the in certain kind of upbringings but in india this thought was not there look what is nachiketa saying tell me of that 
which seest other wear than in virtue and other wear than in unrighteousness. It doesn't see through the eyes of virtue or through the eyes of vice. It's above virtue and vice. Now, there is a divinity transcendent which is beyond the two. That's why, you know, Yama is hesitating. Because imagine an inferior person who, who says, oh, wonderful. Ultimate truth is that God is beyond virtue and vice. So it doesn't matter if I can be a wicked person. But mind you, in the beginning, he has told Nachiketa, I am telling you this truth because you have made a choice. And choice of Shreyas over prayers. Now we understand the significance of that choice. Because if we don't understand the significance of that choice, then this whole statement, he says, that other than in virtue, other where than in unrighteousness. Other where than in this created and this uncreated. Other where than in that which has been and that which shall be. So, he is asking about that mystery which is beyond these divisions of time, beyond the divisions of space, beyond the divisions created by the mind, dualities of good and bad etc. And now we use the word non-dual consciousness or the one and the infinite. So if we try to lock him or shut him into a set of good things, virtues, then we will actually limit and reduce him. <clears throat> then of course he speaks about Om and again this can be reduced to a formula that pronounce the Om like this and if you meditate on Om you will realize the highest truth. But what is he really? Again this is a very beautiful symbol. Om is the symbol where all the four states of consciousness are coming together. So essentially it's a meditation on the divine totality, on divineness, everything. And it's a very powerful meditation. Actually if one can do it, it can bring wonderful results. When mother was shown this film on Prehlad, and Prehlad, you know, we know the story that nothing, he is just fellow immune. Even Z plus security cannot make you so immune. Nothing can kill him. <laughs> so, mother was very happy. She said, you know what? What was the secret of Prahlad? Because he was seeing God everywhere. And if you can see God everywhere in everything, you will be protected from everything. Basically, this is the meditation. He is using a very cryptic way of saying it. Or for that age, it was the simplest way perhaps of saying it. Om. Meditate on Om. It's not just about the syllable. Yes, we can meditate on the syllable, but pondering upon the meaning. If we just do a 10 minutes Om chanting and then forget that the divine is in everything, in all the states of consciousness, then it's a technique. But when we do the 10 minutes chanting, remembering that this is to activate this state within me, that there is nothing else but the divine, then this carries a powerful sense and it goes forth in life. And I can... I mean, I am sure we all know, it's very difficult to practice it. At every step we are challenged. This too is divine. Oh, this fellow, my enemy, I thought he is a pakka hostile force. How can divine be in this person? This also is divine. Something which appears so descapable to my eyes. How can divinity be even in that? This is outright evil. How can there be divinity inside it? If there is a question, we can talk about it. But I don't want to stray into that territory. Because indeed there is divinity inside it. Okay, then again we have these uh, 
paradoxes finer than the fine huger than the huge the self hides in the secret heart of the creation so here also again we are told he is hidden inside the heart he is finer than the fine meaning if you break everything into its finest possible smallest level still there is something which will escape it it's there or the other way so there are two ways of uh, uh, realizing the divine to put it in very simple practical terms one is to go within strip of all the layers one after another one after another till we get to the subtlest of the subtle and this is the divine the other is to expand 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 earth solar system galaxies what is beyond it what is beyond all these stars that we can ever conceive what is beyond the past present and future will touch the same divine core of things and both meditations can be done simultaneously we can try it some day or maybe you know we, we all may have tried it to just imagine the boundlessness of space and the endlessness of time where is space expanding the space is expanding so this question scientist asking where is it expanding space is expanding so it's a paradox the limits of space are going further where is it going into what similarly with time so he is huger than the huge and he is finer than the fine the beautiful images i love these images realizing the bodiless in bodies the established in things unsettled again yat kinch jagatyam jagat in everything that is shifting moving changing behind all the changing appearances to realize that in every body to realize the one bodiless the great and omnipresent self the wise and steadfast soul grieves no longer the same truth which is upanishad has given in another way ekatvam anupashyate atma bhut vijanata he who knows the one self in all things and each of them is a meditation and that's why he says na yamatma pravachane namedha na labhyo na medha na bahuna shutena yamvesha vranute tein labhyas tashesh atma vivranute tanusvam first time we see the revelation of grace you can read about it you can talk about it you may be a brilliant harvard university professor you may have done phd in kathopanishad you may be a big scholar and a you know teaching sanskrit but you won't know it strange how will you know it then yamveshe vranute when the self chooses that i must reveal you will know it none of our intellect none of our brilliances none of our analysis does it mean we should not do yes do it by all means but know that the time of grace will come in life when the grace will reveal whatever activity we feel connects us we should do it it's not that don't do that but it will not come by that it will come when the grace chooses which means it will see whether the nachiketa fire is burning or not and if we are doing all this for ambition that ah i am the authority on kathopanishad it will not come it will say okay you remain the authority on kathopanishad but the transcendent will you know after we leave the body when we stand at the pearly gates whoever is there so you can't tell him you know i am an authority on kathopanishad he will say have you realized the transcendent he said yes that shloka i have read <laughs> he will say go back to earth go back that's what yama says 
you were reading this shloka reciting this shlokas teaching this shloka so that you can your eyes was on the big hefty chunk of money that your students are giving so you go back back to the creation that's how he says they return back but if your eyes are on the transcendent then it's wonderful so that's why he says it cannot come without grace it cannot come again none who has not ceased from doing evil that is beyond good and evil but in action we cannot afford to take that stance when you reach that point driven by the divine dharma divine command arjuna can kill but doesn't mean that's a license to murder none who has not ceased from doing evil or who is not calm or not concentrated in his being or whose mind has not been tranquilized can by wisdom attain to him so he is given conditions first thing is to establish calm peace tranquility equanimity and cease from evil doing which comes from the root of desire lust as we quieten these elements the self reveals itself this is the secret this is of course a very powerful passage that he to whom the sages are as meat and heroes as food for his eating and death is an ingredient of his banquet how thus shall one know of him where he abides so we come to again now lot of images will come one image we took of the chariot now there is another image which shubhendra has used and i feel compelled to speak about it because that's a much more complete image see when you have that image of the chariot this is the image used right through the upanishad and the gita and we talk about it but what is missing in this image is the time now shubhendra has changed this image in savitri uses the image this is the sailor this is the world sailor on the flow of time this is world matter slow discoverer now he is not he is no more using the image of the chariot he is using the image of the ship now why is he using the ships you have similar things you have the compass you have a keel you have the pilot all the things are there in the ship but you also have the flow of time so this image we read yesterday about the chariot then there is another thing there are two that drink deep of the truth in the world of works well accomplished they are lost in the secret plane of being in the highest kingdom of the most high as of light and shade the knowers of brahman speak of them and those of the five fires and those who kindle thrice the fire of nachiketa now all are images who are these two in the light and the shade we have the same image in dwasuparna the two birds one who is enjoying and the one who is eating the fruit one who is involved with nature and the other who is eternally free we can if you want to stretch the image we can even use the word jivatma and the psychic being the central being and the psychic being the jivatma is forever free and the psychic being which is also divine essence is involved with it the five fires we know about the three fires but in addition there are two more the fire in the subconscious and the fire that blazes in the very home of truth this will also come so these are the five fires of nachiketa then there are image of the ocean etc plenty of them because of time so i'm just uh, rushing into <clears throat> then there is another very interesting 
that man who uses the mind for reins and the knowledge for the driver reaches the end of his road the highest seat of vishnu which obviously is not vaikuntha but vishnu of the vedas is a deity the vedas often speak about the three strides of vishnu just like this and where is his highest seat his highest seat is the home of bliss so it's about the bliss world where one reaches by this process vishnu is also described as wideness and i extended in heaven so the vishnu of the vedas is very different from the later puranic vishnu who is the you know a deity among the trinities or if you want to put it we can say that that is the lowest seat of vishnu but the highest seat is in the home of bliss ordinary the image of vishnu is the vishnu who is asleep at the end of pralaya so that is the anant the serpent who is infinite time which is uncoiling itself and carrying the earth further and he is lying sleeping in in it but this vishnu and his highest seat is the home of bliss because that's what they were ultimately seeking truth that is one with bliss and light then various uh, ways uh, s- some simple techniques uh, which we are not taught because often when we talk about uh, practices of yoga we are told sit like this concentrate here take this mantra do this japa take this breath but here there is something else let the wise man restrain speech in his mind not speech which is outward thoughts speech in his mind what thoughts are coming to us we should be watching over our thoughts because these thoughts will translate into actions actions will translate into habits habits will translate into character so right at the origin restrain speech in his mind and mind in the self so when the mind is growing quieter what do we do by the power of aspiration turn it upward and knowledge in the great self and that again let him restrain in the self that is at peace so what is restraining knowledge in the great self quite naturally when the mind it becomes quiet and is upturned there is a flowing of inspiration seas of knowledge luminous seas begin to pour into the seeker and shobindo gives a very beautiful image he says our forefathers swimming across seas of luminous thought from one level to another know that this is not the ultimate so even that even the outpourings of the spiritual mind they are restrained in the great self and the great self into that which is still further and then the famous arise awake find out the great ones and learn of them for sharp as a razor's edge hard to traverse difficult of going is that path say the sages now what is the razor sage there are different ways of looking at it thankfully yama has not <laughs> explained there was a even novel written on this we may be aware of that you know the, heard of this novel by somerset mom razor sage the same and he had been to raman maharshi had his darshan and uh, you know based on that he wrote the razor sage now research search can be understood in many ways some people understand we have to be taut and tense that's not research search certainly not yoga cannot be done in that way the gita says very clearly yoga cannot be done with a despondent heart it's a glad heart so what is the research search in research search you have to walk with a fine balance the right pressure 
you put a little more pressure it hurts you you put a little less pressure obviously you cannot walk on it so actually how i look at it is you are treading the buddha's famous middle path the path of perfect balance is the razor edge to walk on a razor edge you have to walk with perfect balance you cannot take to this extreme if you take to the extreme of sanyasis do you cannot realize the highest because they have created a division between this life and the life hereafter or if you are an indulgent man in the world obviously you cannot realize the highest so you have to create the perfect balance that's what buddha insisted that's what the gita speaks of yukta har viharasya that's what the mother speaks of perfect balance and that's exactly what katopanishad is saying it's not becoming very tense about life yes we can use the word but samatva is used tranquilizing the mind here it's like you have to have the perfect balance which is something little different now that's what it asks us to be this is an image we all know the self born has set the doors of the body to face outwards therefore the soul of a man gazes outward and not at the self within hardly a wise man here and there desiring immortality turns his eyes inward and sees the self within him quite naturally we know that these are the indriyas through which we are gazing outwardly and which includes the speech so we should again it comes to that all the energy which is flowing outward has to be brought in what he is describing to us what shri krishna will um, he will use the word pratyahara which is there in again patanjali yoga sutra what is pratyahara even while you are engaged in the world your consciousness is drawn within like the tortoise you can be in the world you can be even in the party but this is practice of pratyahara actually it's best done in crowd so you practice being inward so the energy the consciousness is not flowing all the time outward from this phenomena to that phenomena so instead of all the time letting this flow outward to turn within the rest childishly follow after desire and pleasure and walk into the snare of death that gives white for them and um, i really personally feel that uh, i mean this may be little crazy but even in the mall practice pratyahara it's very interesting so once somebody went uh, from the ashram setting and it was very upsetting to the person mall and all this you know what is this so you know you lived your life always i said look now sit down now see krishna here in everything so, so for half an hour the person said i said now walk through it and don't see anything but krishna you know i i was reminded of the story of narada and janak narada goes this is a typical example of this consciousness so narada goes to also shukdev story but you know shri krishna uh, shurabinda has used the word uh, story with narada so let me use narada so narada goes and uh, he is told go to janak he will give you the right gyana so when he goes to the court of janak he says what is this king he is sitting enjoying music one leg is in you know somebody is massaging it with chandan sandal paste what is this man i have to get brahma gyana from from him he is no good so janak is a yogi so he understands say narad you are too tired rest a while they will serve you ah sir i don't want all this i eat only some limited fruits because i am a yogi after all all right doesn't matter you do whatever you have to next he says why don't you go and see the city 
So Narada says, I know this fellow would ultimately, that's what I can get from him. So he says, okay, I'll go and see the city. So he says that, do one thing, you go to the city, all my fellows will be with you to make sure that you see everything. But only one thing I would request. What is it? Carry a water pot over your head, fill to the brim with water. See to it, you are a great yogi as you said, that when you come back, not a drop falls on the ground. And when Narada comes back, he says, it's impossible. And he said, what did you see in the city? He said, nothing. My whole concentration was on this. Sri Ramakrishna gives the same example. He says that, you know, how Indian women, when they are carrying their child in the lap and they are fetching water and taking all this, they are chatting. But their attention is on the child. And there is a little beautiful aside about it, which I must mention. Very you know, touching, in sweet uh, anecdote. When mother spoke about the gait of Indian women, that they walk very beautifully, Shubhinda said yes, because they have been habituated to carry pots on the head. <laughs> and balance. This is the perfect example of razor's edge. You are carrying pots on your head. And you are chit-chatting. This is the perfect example. So, um, so this is what you know. He's asking him. Then something very strange, you know, almost blasphemous. How can Upanishad mention something blasphemous? You know, at Upanishad, there's something which can be regarded as blasphemous. Think about what sloka I'm referring to. Okay. By the self, one knows form and taste and smell. No problem with that. Indriya, all the Indriya, Sukh, ultimately the self is the enjoyer. By the self one knows sound and touch and the joy of man with woman. What is there left in this world of which the self not knows? This is that thou seekest. This is a state of consciousness in which everything is the divine. But again, 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 not an excuse, not a license. But there is a hint about it. It's not just about Purusha and Prakriti and the symbol. Because here he is speaking of all the Indriyas. Ken Upanishad gives a hint about it. That which the mind cannot know, but that by which the mind can be known. That which the eyes cannot see, but that by which the eyes can see. Therefore, likewise, that which is the soul enjoyer, which can enjoy all things in creation. Like Krishna. That's why Krishna is so difficult to understand. You know, that's why look at the power of the scripture. That boldness of the scripture. That it is venturing into a territory which anywhere else would be regarded as, my God, don't talk about these things when you are talking about spirituality. Then again, what you are seeking? This eater of sweetness. The jiva, the self within that is lord of what was and what shall be. Again he is qualifying it. Shrinks not thereafter from aught nor abhors any. Once you have realized the sign of the realized person. is not that he is a very holy looking person. Holy looking persons stay away. Very dangerous people because those who realize don't have to look. <laughs> those who have to look <laughs> are obviously covering something. So, in Delhi Ashram, once a Naga Sanyasi came to give a talk. Uh, Surendra Jor used to invite all kinds of people. So, all his entourage came with him. 
and he would not step on the earth so they were putting and not even clothes so you know they were putting uh, leaves big leaves to step on that so they would the disciple will put then he will step then another he will step and then he spoke then <laughs> surinda jor with his characteristic humor at the end he says swami ji aapka detachment to bahut hai lekin aap detachment se attach ho gaye hain your detachment is commendable but you are very attached to your detachment you know like sri arbindo somebody asked him gandhi's son sir why are you attached to smoking and he says why are you attached to non smoking <laughs> shobindo could give up smoking just like this now obviously it's it's very profound and dangerous this is not a license or concession but we cannot understand that with our limited human framework why because in all activities it eats sweetness and honey it turns all things to honey that is the beauty of this that dwells within he is the seer that sees him who came into being before austerity and was before the waters of course the waters are the uh, the all the energies of the higher worlds same with the maruts and before austerity before tapas this you see this is aditi the mother of the gods the infinite consciousness aditi the infinite light who was born through the prana here the prana is this prana is only a uh, you know this energy that we experience is prana that is the original prana the original energy the shakti so out of that infinite shakti aditi who is born who creates the five elements who sits in the deep heart of things she has entered there she is seated this is that thou seekest and then very interesting where is god hidden how is he hidden so what a beautiful image as a woman carries with care the unborn child in her womb we do not know her so often people say uh, you know i don't know the mother i don't know god somebody once asked me i don't believe in god so i said don't worry god believes in you <laughs> i don't know god doesn't matter god knows you so mother carrying the child in the womb what an image she knows us she takes care even when we say there is nothing like that but something more beautiful so is the master of knowledge lost in the tinders I haven't seen a more accurate image tinders is what it is inflammable material now somebody would say that is there fire inside the wood what do you say yes or no yes is it seen no not yet but it's there it's inflammable by its nature so he is using the word as the master of knowledge is lost in the tinders now what happens all that is needed is ignition that's what a master does and the master of knowledge reveals himself but there also there is a two step procedure which uh, shri ramakrishna paraman said he said if the woods are wet though the fire is there lot of smoke will be thrown but if the woods are dry then it will catch fire very soon so we should make sure that the woods are dry the master is there but dry it means that uh, all the process that we are eating so make sure it is ready to be burnt again what is in this world is also in the other and what is in the other that again is in this 
who thinks he sees difference here from death to that he goes utter oneness we are being led towards that through the mind must we understand that there is nothing in this world that really varies who thinks he sees difference here from death to that he goes all the phenomenal appearances all the differences all the countless systems of worlds is there who is there the all pervading consciousness the all pervading vishnu the highest seat of vishnu again the purusha ishano bhut bhavashya na tato vijugupsate this is a very interesting and in yoga uh, in tantra yoga one of the qualification to enter into the path is that you should not be shrinking from anything if you are shrinking from something you are not ready for yoga so here it's reversed he was discovered this being no bigger than the finger of a man the person who has found the psychic being people often ask what are the signs there are several signs but one of them is given here he is the lord of what was and what shall be him having seen one shrinks not from aught nor abhors any because when you discover it you discover it in everyone but as long as you are abhorring as long as you are shrinking as long as you are cutting life you are on the path but you have not found it so it goes on and uh, too many beautiful images then the image of the swan the image of the guest the image of the dwarf that sits in the center who draws the main breath upward we know there the five fold movement of the breath and the breath going upward this is very interesting this is he that draws the main breath upward and casts the lower breath downward the dwarf that sits in the center to him all the gods do homage so it is not that some devil is doing this 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 breath which is in the center which emerges straight from the psychic the dwarf which is sitting there and all the gods are worshiping him and we are going to all the gods and worshiping them when mother was asked about this she said man does not need to go through the gods the age of the gods is over that's why because the age when the psychic have to emerge in the forefront so she says you don't need to go through the gods because all the gods are residing here and they do homage to it so it um, goes on and we can maybe you know just stop with this last chapter and then we can have some questions the image of the ashwath tree we have spoken of that already then there is another secret and this secret is not fully revealed in the kathopanishad but it's hinted it's a question you know people have not raised except uh, as far as i know shurbindu has raised people have given this secret but there is a question that comes with this secret so what is the secret if in this world of men and before thy body fall from thee thou wert able to apprehend it then thou availest for embodiment in the worlds that he creates you have to do it while in the body now everybody says that you know manushika yoni and you know human body is given for the practice of yoga now on one side body has this problem that problem hundred problems is illusion all this then why the body is necessary this is a big question now 
one question which Vedanta, one answer that Vedanta gives is that it's the vessel that holds the fire. You know, even here, that is the same answer is there that the fire must be stabilized. In all other worlds, it wanders. But in matter, it stabilizes. Therefore, it can grow. If it is all the time wandering in the vital world, mental worlds, it cannot grow. So in matter, it is stabilized. And therefore, it must return back to mat- matter from birth to birth till it finally grows into the likeness of that. Sri takes it one step further. That What about the matter which it has used? So here comes that within matter also is hidden the secret divine and that too must unveil itself. But why in the body? Because within the body this fire can be stabilized. That's why the Vedas say very cryptically that the integral truth is found only at two places. Truth is everywhere but the integral truth, the complete truth, either in the highest or in matter. These are the two places. All other worlds you don't find the integral truth. They are typal worlds. You find some glimpse, some aspect, some semblance. But here and there you find and this is the great significance of material life. Of course, the world of fathers is the vital worlds and the world of gods and these are all different lokas. <clears throat> then there is a definition of yoga. The state unperturbed when the senses are imprisoned in the mind of this they say it is yoga. The mind holds the reins. Again we have the pratyahar. This is the fundamental, uh, that's why even equanimity. Here comes the real practice of equanimity. If you are in a state of equanimity, not driven by the senses, then you are in a state of yoga. Then man becomes very vigilant. For yoga is the birth of things and their ending. How is yoga the birth of things? It is through yoga that the divine has created this manifold universe. And therefore, it is through yoga that we can realize the utter oneness. Not with the mind has man the power to get God, nor through speech, nor by the eye. So what is that power through which we can find him? Faith. But very beautifully he mentions, unless one says he is, how can one become sensible of him? Because the eyes can't see, the mind cannot know. So start with what? Say that he is. Say that he is is not mechanically owing an allegiance. If there is a faith, like Nachiketa, Nachiketa has the faith. That's why he has raised the query that you know it, you tell me. He doesn't say whether it is there or not. He is sure of faith. So have the faith. When every desire that finds lodging in the heart of man has been loosened from its moorings, then this mortal puts on immortality even here he tastes God in this human body. When we are engaged in every activity, but without the desired self, modern psychology will not admit it. Because it believes that you can engage with life only through desire and ambition. If they are not there, how can you engage with life? But Katopanishad says that yes, you can engage with life, not through desire and ambition, but through a higher state of consciousness, through a higher will of the, of the divine. Now it's very difficult for modern mind to conceive, but that's what he's saying. One must apprehend God in the concept he is and also in his essential. But when he has grasped him as the is, then the essential of God dawns upon at man. 
don't try to define limit is the essential the differentiation all this is first step necessary but the end what can you speak of that except that is when all the strings of the heart are rent asunder even here in his in this human birth then the mortal becomes immortal this is the whole teaching of the scripture so at the end he summarizes like the gita summarizes itself at the end that look i have told you all these things now listen to shloka summary so first he says this my promise to you and at the end i have taught you everything but if you can unconditionally surrender yourself i will deliver you from everything so what is the summary of katopanishad when all the strings of the heart are rent asunder even here in this human birth then the mortal becomes immortal and then the second is a hundred and one are the nerves of the heart and of all these only one issues out through the head of a man that's why this concentration through which one can eventually emerge out by this his soul mounts up to its immortal home but the rest lead him to all sorts and conditions of births in his passing and then finally thus did nachiketa with death for his teacher win the god knowledge he learned likewise the whole ordinance of yoga he learned likewise the whole ordinance of yoga thereafter he attained god and became void of stain and void of death so shall another he who becomes likewise in the science of the scripture not the reading of the scripture but the practice of the scripture so that is the science of the scripture so this is a very very hasty you know obviously otherwise to go through everything is the images and the important images the transitions if there is any question or any comments that will be we can take that up any question it doesn't matter yes. uh yeah there are three boons there also there are three boons here also <laughs> that's true but um in see uh, even death is a symbol ultimately uh, if you take the highest standpoint so here he is mostly represented as yama who is the guardian of the law now what is the law the original law is surya the law of truth the law of right the law of vast which is found in the supramental consciousness so the composer of katopanishad eventually graduates on to the surya so he says hiranmayena patrena satyasyapihita mukham but here he is still understanding the law of the earth nature so in mythology yama is the son of surya and chhaya so you know he reigns over the lower worlds so there is a law of the lower worlds of which he is the guardian now if you understand the law of the lower worlds you can go beyond him but if you don't understand the law of the lower worlds then he'll keep you tied in his noose because that's his job a very bad job uh, he has unfortunately been given the job of and you know then one feels it's a past and troublesome but he has no choice he whirls you all around so that eventually you start obeying the law and if you obey the law like nachiketa then he allows you to go beyond him what do you discover beyond lawlessness 
No. Then you discover the law of truth, which is not mentioned here. What is that law with which we can live here? Here the object is immortality. So you discover immortality, but not perfection. So if you have to create perfection, then you have to invoke the higher law. Then even Yama has to pass into the shadows. That's why the mother toward the end in Savitri tells him, you are an instrument, stay my instrument, but now I have to create something else. Don't ma make man your slave because he is going to transcend you. He is going to create immortality here. And that secret Yama doesn't know, at least Yama of Katopanishad, uh, neither Nachiketa asks him, nor Yama reveals to him. That greater secret we find in Savitri. So that's why often I keep saying, uh, you have asked this question and that's always my hesitation. Uh, often uh, reading the Upanishads uh, and the Vedas, uh, again I may sound blasphemous, but after reading Savitri, seems to me to be uh, a kind of a letdown. Because you know, everything is there. <laughs> and it's so beautiful, so perfect, something still greater. The next step is revealed. All, all this you can find there. You know, O oh bliss, whoever dwells deep hid within, while men seek the outside and never find. O oh fountain of the world's delight. All this is what? This is Aditi thou seekest. Now also it's in a language which is so much more simpler and comprehensible to us. Uh, Yama and the Rishi of the Katopanishad had to use very symbolic language. Because you know, people may misuse it. Even there... What does uh, the Divine Mother tell? Uh, you know, man has to live by measures. If the infinite comes too soon, man shall break under the, the infinite's weight. So don't invoke it too soon. Exactly the same thing that Yama tells him. But here it is, don't go into that. I won't allow you so easily. Because your measures will fall. And here the Divine Mother in vision and the boon tells uh, that you stand alone, thou standest at the eternal doors. What thou hast won is thine, but ask no more. Truth born too soon shall break the imperfect earth. But then, of course, even later on when Savitri asks for the boon, the same thing is told that the link will be lost between man and the next being. So don't ask it here. It will upset all things. So what we are seeing today is the great upsetting. What has happened? The law of Yama has gone topsy-turvy. Because now who is coming down? Massive barrier breakers. Wrestlers with destiny in the list of will. There are little Nachiketas here in Noms. There is Elon Musk in another side of the globe. They are all wanting to break the barriers. This is a different uh, world we are living in. And Savitri is the complete answer to the complete question. So at that point of time, man was not ready for perfection. The Vedic Rishis no way wanted perfection. They never imagined or conceived perfection. It was enough for them to seek immortality. It's a big step, no doubt about it. Not to belittle. But, well, immortality is immortality. Perfection is perfection. Immortality can free you from the bondages of the mortal sphere. But it cannot bring and build eternal things here. It cannot establish the dream of, let's say, eternal love here. Because it's not possible. If you ask Yama, he will say, no, no, no. This is a wrong question. <laughs> Disqualified. 
or he will say, I don't know the answer to this question, if he is humble enough. So the same Yama who is here, a guardian becomes relegated to somebody who obstructs. And this is not first time Shiobindo has done it. If you see the Vedas, the same Indra, who is a helper to Agastya, he has done it earlier also, same Agastya Rishi. So there is a whole colloquy of Agastya with Indra. It's there in the Vedas. So the same Indra who has helped him to arrive at this status, Agastya wants to go beyond. He says, why are you creating obstructions in my path? Same thing. That same you see in the Bhagavat legend. Indra in the Vedas is a great god. You know, he is worshipped as the divine mind. He is the highest god. What becomes of him in the Bhagavat? Poor fellow has to submit even to the Gwalbal. In that famous episode where he is raining cats and dogs. And they are all worshipping him, that Indra. And what does Krishna say? You have within you Indra and Maruts and Agni and all else. So Gwalbal says, no, no, this is not written in scripture. Krishna, please don't revolutionize us so much. Don't tell us all these big things. Mom, parents will beat us if we tell them. So what, what does Krishna say? Okay, I'll show it to you. And then they begin to worship the mountain. What is the worship of the mountain? It's not just that you are giving Govardhan. Mountain is worship of matter. He says, here you will have all the secrets. All my thoughts, huh? don't take it as written in scriptures. <laughs> this is not written like this. This is my understanding. I have gone to Govardhan. This was my feeling. <laughs> so they are doing parikrama in car of Govardhan, by the way. <laughs> because you get some boons. Govardhan, that which increases the light inside you. So he says, I will... Yeah, <laughs> You have to do Parikrama. There is a very nice episode now that I have mentioned it. So, you know, they told me that you can go around and you will get this, that. So, I said, not interested. He said, no, sir, you can go in car. They thought I will get tired. I said, yes, I am lazy. But, you know, I am not interested. So, they said, okay, there is a shortcut. There was a small little stone which was, I don't know, which was part of the same mountain rock. They said, sir, if you do the Parikrama here, uh, 21 times instead of 7. And this rock is 3 feet by 2 feet. You can do 100 times. He said, you will have the same result of doing Govardhan Parikrama. So I was there with my friends and they started doing Parikrama. I said, this is silly. So I stood back. I said, I am not subscribing to this kind of a stupidity. So they started and slowly because I was standing back, the next person fell off, then the third person fell off. And then finally there were three people left still doing the Parikrama. And at the end to these three, the Pandit asked them that money. <laughs> so I said, thank God I have... <laughs> I saved my 50 rupees safe in my pocket. So, you know, this is uh, the absurdity of the whole thing. But look at Krishna's story. Matter, it gives you and he says, what does this mountain give you? Everything you need. Because within it is hidden Krishna. So, he takes it up and says, look, I am here inside. Come, let's hold this matter together. So, Indra is very upset. So, what happens? Indra comes down. And then he realizes that there is a deity higher than me. And what does he do? He bows down and passes away. Same thing Shiobindo does in Savitri. Here Yama is a deity who gives knowledge. In Savitri he becomes an obstacle to establishment of the divine life. Even there in Savitri, Yama is a wise fellow. He has the knowledge. He tests Savitri thoroughly. Here the testing is very little. Shriyascha Priyascha. 
So Savitri also he tells the same thing. Why you want Satyavan, that fellow? He is dead, you will find another man. So she says, my love is not a hunger of the heart. My love is not a craving of the flesh. That he doesn't understand. He says, no, no, this is all nice words, hallucinations, dreams. If Nachiketa would have asked for this love, Yama would have said here also the same thing. That bright hallucinations are thy thoughts. But then she insists. Then at the end, what does Yama tells, tell her? See, the same Yama who is here, but becomes a power which has to now step aside. His role is over. So what does he say? He says, uh, because thou hast the knowledge that, tran- that transcends form and formlessness. See, there are those who transcend form. They say, here also it's written, beyond the form, formless state, bodiless. But this is the other part where you don't reject form. Form has its own importance. So he, Yama knows, he says, you have the knowledge. Another way to look at it is Savitri is transforming Yama. Both ways you can look at it. So he says, you have the knowledge. But what is it that he asks finally? Something which is not here. He says, knowledge is with thee. But do you have the power? Then she reveals and death is gone. So it is the same Yama because Shurabindo, the beauty of Shurabindo is not disconnected from things. Yes. You know, Kathopanishad commentary is translated, the verses. So the same Yama now becomes somebody used to step aside. The same way when mother says that the age of religions is over and the gods of the over mind, whatever job they had to do, have done and have to go away. And the reason is that because perfection has to be built here, it's a new work which cannot be done. That's why she had to work with the gods. All the gods she had to align them because people will stop worshipping them. So they have to agree. She had to also speak to the titan kings. Call them close to her. Make them her companions, friends. She said many of the titans, they were tied to her body from birth. Because she wanted to change them. Because the work she is doing, they will howl on man and prowl and jump on him and not allow. So she works on animals. She works on gods. She works on the titan kings. She works on yama. So that man's path can be made free. Thank you for that question. I miss Savitri. <laughs> without, like a baby, I am saying without Savitri, your day is not done. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. Very, very beautiful. And I am glad you asked that. So, because Vedas also, there is immortality to start with. Uh, let me put the question a little more clearly. Uh, in this yoga, we don't seek after immortality of physical. But physical immortality is a consequence. So, seeking is after perfection, which is a different thing altogether. But immortality in the Vedas is the immortality of the infinite consciousness. We live in a finite, limited consciousness. That's why we are constantly subject to mutation and change. So, if I am caught up in the flow and flux of nature, I will always be subject to change. Now, what is the problem with it? No problem, except that you will also be subject to suffering and grief. Because we hold on to, because this is the stable within us, always. So, its reflection falls into the lower nature and forms the ego self. So, ego self catches one appearance this is it. But then it goes away because there is a law of change. Why it has to go away? Because death is constantly acting on everything. Because what is the role of death? 
to ultimately prepare you for the infinite consciousness. So finite things have to go away. So when they go away, there is suffering and grief. But if you live in the infinite consciousness and deal with finite things, that's what is hinted here. That everything you can do, Vidyancha, Vidyancha, Yasta, Dvedo, Vyamsa, the Ishopanishad. Knowledge and ignorance, both in Savitri, in knowledge and ignorance, they have spoken and met. Their, our, their, our, our pleasure and pain are the wrestle and embrace. So what happens that this infinite consciousness, when we dwell into that, then we are conscious that we are not this body, we are not this changing personality and if it is falls away, because we are conscious in it, we remain conscious after death. This is the immortality of the Vedas. Physical immortality, they had not even touched. Now what Shurabindo is trying to establish is, not immortality is default, but perfection. Perfection so that this world can become a more divine place. Perfection means everything is in balance and equilibrium in the right place at the right time. That's perfection. It's alright to have wrestlers who are fighting with all kinds of things, but that let them be in WWF. Let them not be on the street like rogues and ruffians. So there is a place for those fellows, raw and whatever, that you know, be there. So there is a place for everything and when you keep it in the right place, you have perfection. This is one way to understand perfection. First step. But how it will go in its right place? When a new consciousness comes, it begins to rearrange. Mother nature, in ignorance, does not know the right place. Everything has become now confused. She keeps everything, tends everything, but it's not able to keep things, the house in order. That the image of the mother, the vision of the mother of the big hotel. But now there is a new consciousness. It says, I'll arrange it. So mother nature starts saying, no, no, throw this away, throw this out. Say, no, no need to eliminate. I'll keep everything in its right place. And if you keep everything in its right place, there is no more evil. So that is the second idea of perfection. And the third idea of perfection is, what is the utmost possibility that body, mind and life are capable of? They are capable of divinities because they have sprung from the divine. So transformation of the mind means that the mind can respond to the influx of the divine light and the infinite consciousness without breaking down. That's precisely what Yama says. That measures will fall away. You may go crazy and mad. There are people who prematurely when they touch the light, they go mad because they don't understand. The whole world turns topsy-turvy. What happens to the heart? It feels the universal love and compassion. Then what do you do with your everyday life? You must be in position of Rit, otherwise you can't deal. Even divine has special relations with people. But they are based not on ignorance, but on Rit. That's why Shurabindo's own brother had to go away. Because he couldn't accept the mother. Even Dilip Kumar Rai. But there are others who are very close to him. Champaklal, who can't even speak English properly or French. So that's the Rit, which arranges things according to a new truth. And what is the perfection of life? So that it can forever serve the divine. Forever forever love, O beautiful slave of God. Yes. And finally, what is the perfection of the body? It can receive all the light, the truth, the force, the power, the energy, the bliss, the ananda, the sweetness and whatever else without breaking down. Which means it has to become extremely plastic and extremely wide and extremely open and receptive. It cannot be otherwise. And when it has all these things, then what it is? By default, it is immortal. That's why it's the last consequence. But that does again, Shobindo has said, it does not mean you will continue to wear the same body. It's not with attachment. You can change it. But the body itself will become like a translucent, a transparent lamp 
gives that image which does not uh, does not lose any energy transmits it fully uh, the 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 latest discovery of superconductors where there is zero loss of energy so there will be no loss of energy right now the body cannot give that output it breaks down it cannot receive even a little joy so that is the whole object so that they are not even conceived that's why when i say uh, that mother and shubindo went far far beyond for this reason is there evidenced but these steps are there they are part of the process Yes. And, uh, but in the whole process of the conversations between Yama and the yeah. so like in Sarik, the the Yaya standpoint from seven eight nine yeah. Sarik eight, it's like uh, it, there is an argumentative uh, tone in Yama, and uh-huh. then Sarik is giving. Because Savitri is not a disciple of Yama. No, Yama is a disciple of Savitri. Uh, the roles are reversed. Like Indra has to become now a disciple of Krishna. Uh-huh. Yeah, because because that's all that Nachiketa aspired, reversed. That's precisely what yeah. I am saying. The roles are reversed because that age is different, and this is a different age. So Yama is Yama is a tough guy. He will not concede easily. He knows all these things. Ah, Bill, absolutely. Because now, uh, now you know what's and what Savitri is asking. Actually, he cannot give. That is a problem. See what what. Uh, Nachiketa has asked, Yama can give him in the sense he allows him to go beyond into the realm of immortality. It's not that he can grant. Mind you, he does not say that give me that transcendent. No. He says tell me of. He knows about it. And as he is saying, Nachiketa is lighting the fire. He is a very sincere disciple. We, not like us that we read the mother today and forget the second day. So as he is saying, Nachiketa lights up the fire. And because he has lit up all the fire, Yama says, "You can go beyond me." That's the end of the story. Yeah, yeah. So the immortality, Amritatva of the Nachiketa, is what the description goes in other bhashas, the traditional bhashas, Shankara, and other things. That he has not come back to the earth to do anything. True, because. Yeah, again, yeah, okay. That's a different question, yes. So we'll just quickly touch upon that. It's good you have raised that question. That wa- What about this? Because Yama did does say here that you won't return to the cycle. Yes, that's true. So uh, there are two levels of this question. One is what is birth, Sambhuti. That's how the Isha Upanishad puts it. Now, it's not physical birth alone. Birth is a limitation of consciousness, essentially. So it speaks about Sambhuti and Asambhuti, not here but in the... Uh, Isha Upanishad. That's why Isha Upanishad is the post-doctoral thesis. So in the Isha Upanishad, because Yagnavalka has gone further, he is not conf- see, this is black Yajurveda. <laughs> that is Sveta Yajurveda. So, you know, he, he has meditated on sun and he knows, he says, Ki, no, 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 this is not enough. So he says, you have to go beyond birth and non-birth. That's what it says. Even there, there is a hint. That's why Shubindu says, Isha Upanishad is the basis of divine life. So, what, what is mentioned here is, now, if you have the infinite consciousness, you can return to the body with full memory of that. You are not limited by the birth. 
But if you are ignorant, then you are tied by birth. This is the difference. After all, in Savitri there is a line. One had returned from the immemorial planes. He is conscious. Mother even at two years she is conscious. So that's a conscious birth which is not about uh, whether being born in a human body. In fact, mother says when there is a transformation to be born again into the human body will not be a, you know, a subject of degradation but of great joy. Even the gods would want it. Even now they want but to upgrade their software. Then they would want to perfect their software because perfection will be found here. Going there is difficult but it's found here. The moment you take a human body and she has spoken about that, that the chip is changing, all that she has said, 1958 message, New Year message. So a time will come when the human body, the very fact of taking birth, you will not lose the infinite consciousness. It will be a material which will be like a superconductor. Now it is an obscuring material. Even if you are very developed, like Swami Vivekananda from the high plains, you come down, you lose it. And it's a pity. That's why all these things mother discusses. And Shubhinda also, that you know the very fact, why, why are they speaking of asexual birth? Shubhinda speaks of it. Birth through occult means. Why? Because when you go through the passage of the sexual birth, through the womb and all that, there is a loss which inevitably occurs. And it takes time to recover. But if there is a process of direct creation, like the famous Rishi Narayan, who, you know, by stroking his thighs creates Urvashi and says, take as a gift to Indra. Indra has sent Tillotama. He says, please accompany Urvashi. I am sending. Now what is it? There are examples in mythology of direct birth. Now it is possible to have that in the future. And science is also turning toward that. So, right now, yes, birth is, you know, people are afraid of, you know, rebirth. But also, Yamaya said, without rebirth, you cannot even arrive there. You need a body. <laughs> so, there is no choice. Unless in the body you have to realize, then you are free. So, this premature idea that I will be freed from the cycle of birth is absurdity. If you want that, then realize that. Otherwise, it doesn't work out. It's not a wishful thinking. So, realize, then the next step, you, you don't lose that consciousness. Yeah? So... I think we can close here. Yes. Is there any other story or epic or something like we have the dialogue between the Yama and Sabitri, between Nati Geta and Yama? Are there some other dialogues where people have talked about? With death? Dialogue with death? Well, immortality, there are a number of stories. So, I mean, story of all the avatars from... Um, what is that uh, Kashyap avatar is all about immortality Sagar Mantan uh, story of nursing avatar is about immortality where the hint is that only the soul is immortal the prelad but uh, who sees the divine everywhere finds immortality not by mastering all the conditions so uh, science can master all the conditions of death yet death will find its door so it's the story of immortality so stories of immortality are plenty but dialogue with death, one story that immediately comes to my mind after plenty is story of Rishi Mandavya. Mandavya is given the punishment that, you know, he has to lie a whole night on a bed of nails. And uh, the king was ignorantly punished him, thinking he is a thief. He is very scared and comes to him and says, I am so sorry. He says, who are you? He says, no, no, I am the king who punished you. He says, you don't have the capacity to punish me. 
He says, what do you mean? He says, I am going to ask destiny. So he goes to the God of death and says, how dare you do this? So he says, no, no, according to our accountant general, auditor general Chitragupta, our computer shows that you had punished, but you had put a needle through a butterfly, so you had to suffer this. So what does Mandeva says? Help with your accountant, your computer is a virus inside it. I changed this law with my tapasya. Shubhendra has immortalized it as the meditation of Mandavya. There is also the story of Markande who narrates the story of Savitri is the story of immortality. Markande realized immortality by sheer surrender to the Lord Infinite Absolute Shiva. So stories are plenty of immortality. But dialogue with death, one of them that comes is meditations of Mandavya. Don't pull me into stories. <laughs> I'll, I'll get drawn into it. <laughs> Plenty of stories, yeah. yeah. Okay, so thank you so much.